Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. Hungry for change in your life? Feed your ambition with Board B at Talent Academy's Insights and Innovation Programme. Get some incredible food for thought with a fully funded master's from DCU Business School. Learn from world-class innovators with placements in Irish food, drink and horticulture companies. And do it all while bringing home the bacon with a generous monthly bursary. Sound like your cup of tea? Nourish your career prospects by visiting boardbia.ie forward slash talent academy. Applications closing soon. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing. Well, Andy Farrell has named a 34-man squad for the upcoming Six Nations and Peter O'Mahony is the new Ireland captain. Who's in? Who lost out? We go through it all here. Well, Rory O'Connor and Keen Tracy are here with me. Rory, there was plenty of debate around who will take over from Johnny Sexton as captain, the likes of Caelan Doris and Gary Ringrose among those mentioned. But Andy Farrell has gone for Peter O'Mahony and um, as the headline went for your piece today, this was the obvious choice that was staring us all in the face you know coming away from the world cup he was the player that i would have tipped for the role at that time and and when um he stepped down as munster captain somewhat suddenly um was it two months ago now it almost seemed like he was clearing the decks for it but then all these murmurs have been coming out about his contract um ever since which i think has undermined everyone's confidence in in that sense that we had that you know if you look at ireland's you know the 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 run of Ireland captains. There's only been six since the year 2000 when Keith Wood took over. You know, it's not a, a role that's passed around lightly. And O'Mahony was the next kind of most experienced senior leader. And I know he toyed with the idea of kind of, or kind of dangled the idea of international retirement after the World Cup quarterfinal in the mix zone. I never thought he was going to step away lightly. And um, it's no surprise to me that he got the gig. The only thing that's been surprising is the kind of, yeah, the whispers or, or whatever about his contract that are, you know, it, it seems strange that, that he will be the Ireland captain and yet there'll be so much uncertainty about his, his future. But in terms of a, a captain, I covered the 2013 Tour of North America when he was p- picked as captain as a, what was he, a, a 22, 23-year-old back then. You know, he's done the job 10 times. He's always been, you know, Sexton was always a leader when in the camp before he was given the role. And it's the same in O'Mahony. Like everyone knows he's a, a senior figure within there. He would have been a trusted member of Sexton's leadership group someone that Sexton leaned on he knows what the role entails and I think he'll be a good captain you know it, it's I think the questions over it are how long he'll do it for will he be around at the next World Cup does that matter is it you know is Andy Farrell right the four-year cycles don't matter and also can they get his contract sorted so that you know that he will be available next year as well because you know he's being linked to moves to France it's ha- that's happened before. I, I'm not entirely co- convinced that that's going to happen. I think they'll sort it out, but it's just strange to have a little bit of uncertainty around it. But in terms of the choice, he seems, you know, I think it's right that, that a player of his caliber, his leadership ability, 
will captain Ireland for a period. Like there were obviously were other contenders, but I think Andy Farrell Rudd has touched on it there. Probably dropped a couple of hints at the Guinness Rugby Writers um, Awards last week when he said that he hated the kind of term four year cycles. And I thought, you know, I made this point on the podcast yesterday with Will and Luke that I thought it was very interesting that he said that the slate wasn't going to be wiped clean for the Six Nations, that it was going to be a continuation of everything that's gone on in the past. So when you consider that, I think Peter O'Mahony, you know, Rudd's right was the was the obvious candidate. I think you'll find that most people in the squad wouldn't have any issue at all. He was a bit of a de facto captain for the last few years as well, even you know, everything that year when he came back from Munster last week, even behind the scenes that he was doing a lot of the the leadership and things like that. So I think it makes sense. It's an absolutely huge honour. Obviously, I think he said it was the proudest um, moment of his life. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have a press conference today. We didn't get a chance to speak to him or Andy Farger kind of just going off um, a press release. But um, it's an unusual situation in that there is so much uncertainty around him. But I think, you know, if you you'd hope that he gets his contract signed and he gets paid, you know, what what he's worth. And if that all happens, he'd probably owe Andy Farrell a point because it would be like it's hard to imagine an Ireland captain for this year's Six Nations not playing in the country. Um even for the summer tour, because his contract's obviously expiring in the summer. It's very hard to Peter imagine that Peter O'Mahony won't be in Munster. It's just about, I suppose getting the finger out now whoever that that needs to be to pay him what is worth because you just cannot allow the current what is now the current Ireland captain to to leave at the end of the season so this has probably come at a very good time for him albeit it is probably stressful enough you know trying to negotiate different contracts and things like that but this is massive for him I think from a personal point of view but also going forward as well. Yeah, so hopefully um, O'Mahony's future will be decided sooner rather than later. So he's captained Ireland 10 times. It said in the RFU statement that he will lead the squad into the championship. But Rory, is it there for him to lead for a lot longer? Yeah, I think even when Sexton was captain, the it was on a kind of a tournament by tournament basis. And that's the way Farrell's always run it. But you kind of, as long as he was fit and playing well, he held that that role and it wasn't going to be taken away from him. Um you know, if you look at best, even Paul O'Connell and Sexton were all in their mid thirties. They're all fathers when they took over as captains. They're all senior figures. It's kind of almost a, a profile now of what Ireland want from their captain. They were all heading towards hundred caps. O'Mahony's a centurion already, so there's kind of a profile there. And he's thirty-four. He'd be thirty-eight at the next World Cup. Um, if you know, all he has to do is point at the South Africa back row that won the World Cup. They had two 37-year-olds in the, in the starting team in the back row. So it's not as if there's no precedent there for players getting there. I guess what it does open up is the the, the fear that, like, maybe best and less so Sexton, that he, he, he'll he be past his best when the tournament arrives and Ireland will be wedded to a player who maybe isn't the best player in his position. And two of the best young players in Ireland at the moment are playing at number six in tight... Um, Sorry, yeah, Thomas Ahern and Ryan Baird. Baird's in the squad. Thomas Ahern is a, a panelist, a training panelist, which is a, a new horrible phrase for the rugby lexicon of jargon um, that we can now adopt and use uh, for, uh, as we go on. But, um, like, Mamani has to battle for his place. Like, he wasn't always first choice in the last World Cup cycle, even, you know, he bat- had to come back and, and, and win that spot back. You know, he's got Jack Conan as a rival because, you know, Caelan Doris is nailed on at number eight. They could move Tyke Byrne there with this, the emergence of, of, of Joe McCarthy. So, 
I suppose naming him window by window challenges him to be the form player in his position. But as a squad captain, I think he sets a very good tone. And Farrell has left, I suppose, the door open to you know the idea that, that it doesn't have to be O'Mahony in South Africa this summer, that it doesn't have to be O'Mahony next November, that there's a chance to, for someone else to come in and, and learn underneath him and, and take over if O'Mahony's injured, which obviously, you know, a back row forward, that's a, there's a high risk of that. He's a very, very good record over the last couple of years, O'Mahony, but, you know, he, a back row in such an attritional position, the way he plays, there's always a risk that he might whistle, miss a window, miss a couple of games. But considering how open this um, process seemed, there is a couple of players there that he could quite comfortably go to. So no new caps in the 34-man squad. Oli Yeager, Tom O'Hearn, as you mentioned, and Sam Prendergast will train with the squad. Keen, many would have put O'Hearn in the squad itself. Uh, Simon Zebo has been talked about as a possible inclusion with his form of late. No John Hodnett or Gavin Coombs or Keen Prendergast. What stands out to you about who hasn't been selected? I was surprised that there was no new caption aid when the press release first dropped. I mean, post-World Cup, you're always kind of expecting it to be, you know, a, a fresh cycle and things like that. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with Tom O'Hearn there. I mean, it's good to see him included in some form, but I think he's fully justified to feel pretty disappointed that he's not in the full squad given his form um, with Munster. But I was just like, as you kind of dig a little deeper into the squad, it is kind of worth pointing out, and I'm sure Andy Farrell would do this, that there are several players with only a couple of caps, like Calvin Nash only has one cap, Kieran Frawley only has one cap, Harry Byrne only has two caps, Tom Stewart only has two, and Nick Timoney only has three. So they're five pretty inexperienced guys, you know. So I think the immediate thing when Ireland squads get named is to kind of, you know, jump up and down and go mad about who's not there. And I think, you know, like I said, Tom O'Hearn can feel pretty annoyed. I think I was very surprised, I have to say, not to see Kieran Prendergast um, in the squad. Like he's a guy who just missed out on World Cup selection. He was kept in until the very end ahead of guys like Gavin Coombs last summer before Ireland went to France. And look, I know Connacht haven't been tearing up trees this season, but I've seen I've seen all of their games actually. I think Ian Prendergast has been comfortably their best player. So um, I think that's really disappointing. Obviously, then he misses out on the chance to get to train with his uh, younger brother, Sam, for the first time because he's going to be part of the squad that's going to Portugal next week. So uh, perhaps he's he's paying the price for, for Connacht's kind of hit and miss form. But um, individually, I think he's been pretty good. Um, other guys, like you mentioned, Simon Zebo. look, I think it was always going to be a bit of a tough ask considering Andy Farrell hadn't selected him in a squad up to now. But, I mean, if he continues building on the form that he's done um, over the last few weeks, then there's nothing to say that he couldn't get a call, particularly because, I mean, I feel like we're going to have the same conversation again here. When you look at the squad, there's no like-for-like like replacement for Hugo Keenan in it, particularly now with Mac Hansen and Jimmy O'Brien injured. So um, if Hugo Keenan, touch wood, was to go down then you'd surely imagine that Simon Zebo wouldn't be far away from getting a call considering he is Munster starting full back at the moment I think other guys like Gavin Coombs I think his form has just been too inconsistent John Hodnett is very unlucky as well particularly not to get into the the training panellists um guy like Robert Balakoon, again, I don't think his form has been good enough really to, to warrant a place in the squad. I think the guys who have got in there, uh, your Jordan Armors, your Calvin Nash, Jacob Stockdale, have been playing better. So um, all in all, Sinead, I think it's a good squad. I think there's plenty to, to be excited about, albeit maybe a little surprise not to see one or two more uncapped players in there. 
Yeah, like I think it's a bit ridiculous that Andy Farrell doesn't do a press conference really about these things that, you know, that me, Keane and other people like us are all speculating about this when it wouldn't have, you know, taken much effort for him to actually come up in front of the media and do a couple of interviews and answer these questions himself. Um, you know, every other coach in, in the Six Nations has done a press conference to explain their decisions, um, some of which are quite strange. Like Gregor Townsend didn't name a, a captain in his squad, so we don't know who's going to turn up in Dublin next week. Obviously, Warren Gatland had to talk about Louis Reese Amos pulling out to go and play NFL, but at least they, they they turned up and talked about it. And it's just a, it leaves a bit of a hole in, in squad announcement day, which should be, you know, a real big day in the RFU's ca- calendar. So, um, it's it's disappointing that we don't actually get to hear from the coach apart from like a you know two paragraph press uh, press conference or sorry press release um quote that really doesn't give us anything in terms of why he's gone for these decisions it doesn't the squad itself you know it, it's continuity isn't it it's it, it's basically a continuation of where we left off in France even it's a small squad you know like his his last six nations squad i believe was 38 players and i know the three training panelists will bring it up to 37 but it's very tight um, he hasn't kind of got any kind of players in there that, that he obviously doesn't think will be central to training. And and like if he'd added two or three, he probably would have done himself a, a bit of favour in the PR stakes because if he brought in a John Hodden and a Simon Zebo, we would have had very little to talk about today. So um, I think Zebo's very hard done by. I think he's in very good form. He, he brings something different to what Ireland um, have. I don't see a natural successor to uh, Hugo Keenan if he did go down in training in, in the first couple of days. I, I don't see... Kieran Frawley is a fullback myself, and um, you know maybe Jacob Stockdale, who played there in the early stages of Farrell's regime. So that's maybe Ireland a little bit light in one position, but at the same time, all these players live in Ireland. They're only within a couple of hours of Carton House, so if someone goes down, they can be called in pretty quickly. But um, you know, John Hodden, you're looking at maybe him over Nick Timoney, but Timoney's been going well. You know, Tom Ahern is he he's in great form, but is he ahead of Ryan Bird and, and Peter Amani, the new captain? possibly not even Jack Conan and Ty Byrne can both go into that sixth slot he's, he's very very good at the moment and I think there's a whole generation of young players who are very very good but this Ireland squad are operating at such a level or have been for the last two years it's really hard to displace the players that are there already so maybe there was a chance to have a bit of refreshing and renewing it you know a bit of that sense but you know, even if you think about Jack Crowley, what will it do for his confidence to be surrounded by 14 established Ireland internationals on the on the opening night? And I think we have to also remember what we're picking a squad for here. It's a way to France on a Friday night in Marseille on the opening night. There's no real room. There's no real wiggle room at all for Andy Farrell. He has to perform. It's almost like an extension of the World Cup. It's a, it's such a big fixture, such a unique fixture. And I think the the experience that he's lent into speaks volumes about that. Yeah, Rory, what about the, the out-halves? I mean, you mentioned Jack Crowley there. Obviously, Harry Byrne is in there. He had that ankle injury that ruled him out of Leinster's game last weekend. He's in there. Kieran Frawley, as you mentioned, he took off with an injury as well, but he looks okay. So from what you see there, is it is it looking like Frawley would be the backup on the bench? I think we, if we look at the way that um, Andy Farrell selected Jack Crowley ahead of Ross Byrne at the World Cup, even though Ross Byrne had guided the, the team home in four of the, the, grand, the Grand Slam winning games, the fact that Frawley, like Crowley, can cover a multitude of positions, so it gives him the edge in that in that backup slot. And I don't think there's a lot to choose from between um, Harry Byrne and Kieran Frawley in, in, in terms of their ability at number ten. But we've seen Frawley do really well at centre. We've seen him play proficiently at fullback. I don't think he's an international fifteen, but even 
just the fact that he can do that job if they need to move things around in the back in the in the back three gives them that comfort. So um like I think Rossburn will be in the squad and on the bench if he was fit. I think he's his experience, his his know how, the way he played for Ireland last year, he was up you know higher up the pecking order. But the, do we know when injury, he'll be back actually? Do we know when Ross will be back? I think mid mid to late Six Nations probably, but okay. certainly not imminently. So and he hasn't played since that Munster game when he when he got injured. Um in that tackle down in the corner at the Aviva Stadium. So there's, like, it's, it's such an interesting time. You've got, you know, three such inexperienced out halves and it, taking over it. Like, you know, life after Johnny Sexton it begins with incredible inexperience. You know, Crowley's a shoe in for that number 10 slot yeah. on Friday, Friday fortnight. He uh, has been very, very good. Not perfect, as Graham Roundtree said, after too long, but even the way he delivered those two cross kicks for the tries at the weekend, the experience he's got, the calmness that he brings to it, he's quite far ahead of the other two. And what an experience for Sam Prendergast to come in, you know, a year after leading the under 20s to the Grand Slam in the same tournament. He gets an opportunity. You know, I would imagine he'll go back to Leinster then when the URC kicks back in so he can kind of lead Leinster through, through the, a couple of weeks of URC action and gain really good experience there. I don't think he's ready for international rugby just yet, but he's only an injury or two away from being catapulted in. Um, so I don't think there's anyone else who has really a case to be included. Like Billy Burns, no, I don't see it. Jack Carty and JJ Hanneman, I think, are still quite far away from, from, from it at the moment. You know, it, Jake Flannery, you know, has he done more than, than the two players who were included? I know it's two Leinster players and people will see that as a bit of a kick in the teeth for those who are starting for other provinces. But really, it's very hard to make an argument for anyone else. I know Joey Carberry's fit again, but I, I know Farrell doesn't work in World Cup cycles, but it would be kind of weird to pick him given that he's off to France at the end of this season. So um, it's they're sensible enough calls, but it's quite callow and it, it's, a, it's a risk area going into the tournament, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Keen. what about the back three then? Obviously, Mac Hansen, Jimmy O'Brien out injured, Keith Earls retired. So we've got James Lowe, Hugo Keenan, Calvin Nash, Jordan Larmer, Jacob Stockdale, as mentioned. Uh, Rory probably put, uh, you probably put Gary Ringrose in there in on the wing uh, to start against France. But Keen, uh, Calvin Nash, um, I think he's the man to come in there. What do you think? Yeah, I agree, Sinead. I was writing about it um, yesterday. Um, look, I can understand the the thinking behind potentially putting Gary Ringrose there. You want to get your best players on the pitch. Rudd has already highlighted, I mean, the scale of the task that lies ahead on Friday fortnight going to France. And because it's France first up, that's going to set the tone for what's to come in the rest of the Six Nations. So while I can understand the logic behind it and Ringrose clearly trains there a good bit, it is a kind of emergency option. And for me, in a Six Nations game, first up, I would like to see Farrell back like form and back and out and out winger. And okay, there isn't a like-for-like like replacement for Mac Hansen in terms of what he brings you both on and off the pitch. But if you look at how well Calvin Nash has played and also how quickly he's adapted to the the attacking framework that Mike Prendergast has brought in since he arrived last year. It is very much aligned with how Ireland play. Um, whereas previously under Johan van Grand, the wingers were just being used to chase box kicks and how was a young guy ever going to force his way into an Ireland squad when it just simply didn't match up to the way Ireland were playing. So I I think guys like Calvin Nash and Zebo and Shane Daly, who's probably another slightly unlucky to miss out, they feel like because they're playing within a Munster system that's more aligned, they have more of a reasonable shout to make squads. And in Calvin Nash's case, I think he's got a very good chance of uh, starting in France. Now, a lot will depend on how he trains and how he is around the environment. Um, 
P. I thought he had a very good game again in Toulon last weekend. He had a bit of a defensive blip um, against Exeter before Christmas, but by and large, he's been very good. And um, the thing about it is, like, if you imagine what the French back three is going to be, or even the wingers, it, it's going to be Dam- Damien Peno and Louis Beret-Barai, and the pace that they have out wide. And Guy Ringrose is no slouch, don't get me wrong, but I think you want an out-and-out winger to go up against the quality that they have. And look, we're not talking about, I know it's a really important game, but we're not talking about a World Cup quarterfinal. Why not back a guy who has been playing in that position again in a, in, in a system that's very similar to what Ireland playing? So why not back Calvin Nash? Um, now, it's another big game for him this weekend against Northampton. I mean, Northampton are coming to Thoman Park with plenty of young England hopefuls as well. And I just think if he goes well, not just in attack, but is defensively sound. Like, I mean, you saw how well he did for his try last weekend by taking Craig Casey's inch-perfect box kick. I think if he delivers another assured performance, then he's got to be the one leading the race to start in France in a couple of weeks. Where are you on that now, Roy? I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. I, I, I would. I understand. I can see what Calvin Nash does. I, I, I like a lot, of, a lot of it. I know he was in the squad, and they liked him before the Six Nations, and he got his cap. Sorry, not before the World Cup, and he got his cap before the World Cup. But you know, he didn't make the grade over there. I would probably have more comfort if Jordan Armour got the got the nod. He's got a lot more experience. I thought he was really, really sharp at the Aviva against a, a much lower caliber of, of opposition. I, just this one moment, and maybe this is predict- is particularly harsh, but you know, Calvin Nash got the ball on the wing against Toulon, right down in front of where I was sitting in the stadium, and he was faced up with Danny Preso, who's a loose head prop. Now he's a good loose head prop; he's a very athletic loose head prop. But rather than back himself to go outside the loose head prop, he cut inside, and he tends to cut inside with ball in hand and look for the comfort of support rather than really back himself. And um, Larmer has probably been guilty of that sometimes in the last couple of years. And not kind of being the, the the fearless attacking player that he was when he first broke onto the scene, but I thought there were signs against that of confidence of that belief that maybe like Jordan Armour has been lacking for the last couple of years coming back. Personally, I would go for Ringrose. Um, I think in this fixture, given what France bring, he's such a, a an incredible defensive leader. It means you can pick Henshaw and Aki. You can match up to that French midfield of Dante and and Fiku. You know, I think that's that's a sensible call. It's a percentage call. Maybe it's a conservative call, and that's that's a fair enough um, criticism of that decision. But that's what I would would go with. And I think Larmer is ahead of, in my mind, of where Nash is, but not by a whole lot. And um, they're both good good options. But the fall off, I think, from Mac Hansen to all three of those players right now is quite significant, and something that Ireland are going to have to try and account for because. Um, Hansen's become such an imper- in, 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 integral member of that Ireland attack and defence in the last year and a half that um, he'll, be, he'll be really missed at Marseille. So, lads, now that we know the squad, obviously, you know, the right wing, you know, Jack Crowley will start it out half. What are the other areas? We know Peter Mahoney's going to captain the side, so maybe that, that space is taken up. Now that we know the squad, like there is definitely a sense of continuity there. So will we see, you know, many changes when that team is selected to play France? I think the the right wing spot is obviously the the hottest topic yeah. at the moment. And actually, you know, you mentioned the back row there, Sinead. I think another person worth mentioning who um, we haven't mentioned yet is Will Connors. I mean, his performance in that La Rochelle game, um, you were thinking, wow, this is going to put him right back into the Ireland frame. But he obviously just hasn't been able to kick on or feature really since. So that's disappointing because we know how much Andy Farrell likes him um, as well. I think the only other big question maybe is in the second row 
But I think when it comes down to it, Andy Farrell will probably go with James Ryan um, and Tyg Byrne. But like you've got Joe McCarthy, who's arguably been the form Irish player this season. And Ian Henderson is in the mix as well. Pretty unlucky, you'd have to say, to miss out on the captaincy. And he obviously took James Ryan's spot at the World Cup. So other than those couple of positions, I think you injury permitting, fitness permitting, I think you could almost pick the team now, which again, some people, you know, might be disappointed with that because they want to see wholesale changes. But as Farrell said to us last week when he was delivering his speech, there's a very strong body of work to build on here. So there's no sense of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. This is about building on what they've done over the last few years. It might be a new era without the likes of Johnny Sexton and Keith Earls, but there's such strong foundations laid there that it would be foolish to just rip everything up and start again. And as Andy Farrell said, you kind of need to get rid of the four-year World Cup cycle. It can be broken down into much shorter periods, which I think he's done by the fact that he's named Peter O'Mahony as captain. So um, I think the team will be pretty settled, Sinead. Um, you'll have a big change, obviously, at 10, but a settled team, a, a largely settled team going to France, I don't think is any bad thing. And let's not forget either that Ireland are going there as Grand Slam champions. Yeah. Do you think Big Joe has done enough to get into that second row, Rory? I think he starts, yeah. I think he's he's quickly become the best second row in Ireland and um basically can be the cornerstone of Ireland's pack for the next ten years if, if he stays fit and, and, and available. And it's to me it's a case of it might not be for, for Marseille, but by the end of the tournament, by the time we go to South Africa next summer, I think he'll be a very, very important starting player for Ireland and it'll be a matter of who you put alongside him. And that counted against, I think, James Ryan and Ian Henderson, because we're not quite sure of their places because you know Ty Byrne is an excellent player. There is that capacity to maybe do what they did against Romania at the World Cup and shift Peter Romani into seven. Like Josh van der Fleer, he's coming back to form, but he, you know, he has been left out of big games for Leinster, you know, in recent times. So there, and his form at the World Cup probably wasn't where it had been in that World Player of the Year um, campaign. So there's options there for Andy Farrell across a campaign. But I would think, I think, you know, we can see the. It may not be kind of the big change into the squad but I think we as he evolves this this team and you know slowly moves moves them on from the World Cup I think the presence of say a Joe McCarthy and a Ryan Baird in the next while who are probably the two form players in Leinster can just freshen things up um a little you know four years ago we gave Caelan Doris his debut in the first game of the Six Nations Rona Keller was on the bench and they were still there at the end of the cycle so um, I think he will slowly make changes and McCarthy's one of those and Craig Casey could supplant Conor Murray on the bench as well I think his form and the way he played in Toulon was just exceptional it's probably the best performance I've ever seen from him um, he's been in that squad for an awful long time Tom O'Toole maybe could put pressure on Finley Bealham like we're talking about bench spots but um, those players have been kind of those apprentices for the last three or four years it's kind of time for them to come on and 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 kick the door down and take uh, take some spots so um there might be a little bit of change very subtle change as we move on from from france but it's going to feel like a, a world cup game that open at night at nine o'clock in, in marseille and i think it's going to look a little bit like a world cup game as well just missing johnny sexton as a central figure yeah just johnny sexton as a central figure yeah well uh we look forward to it. rory and keen thank you very much for that we will be back with another podcast on friday after all the teams are named for the final round of pool games in the champions cup that's it for now thanks for listening <laughs>